Hi guys, welcome back to the Return to Eden podcast. This is a podcast to share conversations that empower people to embrace pleasure and walk in wholeness. You are free to exist how you are in this space. We'd love to hear from you. If you have a question, a story to share, or you'd like to be a guest on the podcast, please reach me at return.to.eden on Instagram. podcast. Today I have my first repeat guest, which is my best friend Lauren. Hi guys, back again. (laughs) If you haven't listened to Lauren and I's podcast, uh, go do that after you listen to this episode. Um, We have a podcast called Just Say It. You can find it on any podcast platform. Want to give a little synopsis, how do you say that word? Synopsis of what we talk about there. Yeah, so on Just Say It, Sophie and I, we go over like a lot of different topics, but mainly we like to say it's the conversations you can only have with a best friend, but we decide to put it out there for everyone else to hear and get entertainment from. Yeah. So, you know, talk about boys and like all of that, but also um, like our own like self-care, like lifestyle type of things too. Yeah, a little bit of spirituality, a little bit of... A little bit of everything. Little relationships, a little bit of story times. So any of that interests you, go check that out. Um, Anyway, so today we're jumping into a big topic. (laughs) One that we've been thinking a lot about um, over the past few weeks, and that is the male gaze. And specifically, we're going to focus on the internal male gaze and what it is, um, how it affects our daily lives as women, and we're going to talk a little bit about the things that, um, what we do moving forward. So we've acknowledged the male gaze, we know that it's um, a part of society and life, and what do we do moving forward? How do we go about our uh, lives knowing that this, this is something that we have to deal with? So that being said, do you want to talk about how you, like your definition of the male gaze? I'll kind of give my definition and then we can kind of give, um, I have some quotes and things that can give better definition of it, but do you want to say what it means yeah. to you? Um, I feel like in kind of like a general sense, the male gaze is about women being portrayed through like a heterosexual male's lens. Mm-hmm. And, um, it actually started mainly referring to like media and stuff. And I feel like it's something that we see a lot, especially in um, like superhero type movies. If there's like a female superhero, they'll be portrayed as um, kind of the way that men like to see women, you know, they'll be sexualized and that's the way that they're drawn and shown, which isn't what you would expect. You know, like the men are like strong and like they're built for like, agility and like what they need best and that's not how the females are represented yes even the outfits they're always tight and like they're always tight form-fitting and sitting up and (laughs) showing the body off which is something that like okay it's not inherently bad you know to 
have a woman that looks good. Um, it's just that in contrast to male superheroes and stuff, the emphasis is on their abilities, on whatever event that is being portrayed, um, you know, what they, their superhero, like what their superpower is. And the woman is really just titties. <laughs> yeah, like, exactly. she looks it. Even like, like, even in like, um, like the Incredibles, like why was she so hot? Like, what was the point? You know, dump truck back there. There's no need. Right. And, and even but, I've seen, like the memes and stuff now sexualizing her. I'm like, okay, so we're sexualizing cartoons. Like it yeah. runs so deep. It really does. Because in like a lot of movies or TV shows or whatever, like the male, it's usually male centered and it's about their story, their journey, their abilities, you know? a lot of those core ideas and females tend to be like the supporting roles that just help them on their journey or they're there for looks, you know, they're not there to really like provide anything else besides that. Yes. And I feel like it, it's really. They use it because it works. And I think that is a whole different conversation in itself is like, why does it work? You know, and there is, biological you know I'm not I'm not saying that a girl can't look good and then a guys are supposed to not say anything it's this representation that like this is all that they are and that they bring no substance other than that um exactly so this is the kind of portrayals that we're dealing with with then that we internalize so because we're going to focus more on the internal parts, I think that I think so much conversation has happened around the external male gaze, which is what we see through media, um, the messages we get, etc. Um, but I really want to focus today on like internal because I think that that's not something that's talked about a lot and mm-hmm. how it affects how you see yourself. So, do you want to kind of define the internal part of that? Yeah, so I feel like the internal really has to do with how females then act or perceive themselves or perceive others based on everything that they've seen, everything that they've been taught growing up, you know? Um, And I feel like it it has a lot of effects, honestly, on how um, women treat themselves and treat others. And it really goes beyond just their outward portrayal of what they do, you know? Like, it it has its own like psychological effects on what we view as like before, like what we need to do or like our own motives for things. Yeah. And I want to read this, um, this article or like part of this article that I found. Um, let me just find, I want to find the author so that I can quote her. Um, okay. It's by Lydia Delgado. It's on hercampus.com. So she says, the internal male gaze is how women have absorbed all of this subconsciously to the point where it seems like as they go about their day, they need to perform for a non-existent male audience. I would also say that this experience is not only to attract romantic interest, but to also just seem cool in the eyes of a man. Having an internal male gaze is normal, and I can attest to it from my own life. That's what she has said um and so 
what st stands out to me is this need to perform. Um, exactly. Because it's like you have a little, a little guy in your head almost. Um, yeah. Influencing how you see yourself. And that can be really um, hard to distinguish from your own voice. Mm -hmm. I know for me, it's been like, I didn't even realize it was this information that I was absorbing. I thought it was just how I felt about myself, you know? Mm -hmm. And so when we start to break down, we see that it's so complicated. It really is like this own, like internal male character within you who yeah. were like conscious, like consistently um seeking validation from in everything that you do and it goes through whether you realize it or not mm -hmm. and it goes like for your day-to-day -day for with everything that you do really because if we're being honest how you quote-unquote win um and this is a very shallow definition of win i don't mean actually because we all talk a little bit about what actually winning means um but how you win in this world how you get what you want how you move ahead is through the male gaze so if i contort myself to what what is acceptable what is good if i use my looks to get me ahead you know like you really have to it's like the pretty girl privilege like you have to in order to to succeed it makes it almost impossible to not you know um and it works like if we're just simply being honest you get what you want through submitting to the male gaze. And that can be a really weird thing as a woman because it's like, um, it seems as though you can never be your authentic self and still gain what you, what you want, you know? You can, um, it's to the point where like, you can almost not even gain empowerment outside of the male gaze. And obviously these are uh, lies you know, that we've told ourselves, that we've absorbed, um, and we'll talk about how, what we're doing to try to tear those down, but, um, but I think that I just want to acknowledge that this is, for the society we live in, that is a truth, it is a truth, and so if you have been feeling like you are, you know, submitting to it, you're not alone. Like you have, you have to, in a sense. Um, and there is a way out of it, but if that's the place that you're at, that's the place that almost all of us are at, you know, we're trapped inside of it. So. I feel like it's such a hard thing to tear apart too, because all of it really does happen subconsciously. So you don't even realize what you're doing for you and what you're doing to please the male gaze, you know? And a lot of the things go hand in hand as well. Like there's a duality to it because it could be what you want to do, but it could also like partially be because of that male gaze and it does fit into it. And it's hard to escape that. Yeah. So I think about like, okay, we've acknowledged that the male gaze is that internal way of viewing yourself through um the lens of what is pleasing 
you know, to a male audience. Um, but I want to like give specific examples because I think that even in saying that it can be kind of confusing. Well, what is it, you know? Um, yeah. Okay, it's, it's something internally you feel. And yeah, we see these concepts of society, but really what does it look like in your day-to-day -day life when it's like played out? Um, do you have any examples or ones in your personal life or that you've heard of from other people? Uh, yeah, so the main things like it can come with is kind of this own personal narrative. Mm -hmm. uh, like a male's attention, like a male's approval is the most important thing. Um, because like growing up, obviously I watched all the Disney movies about the princesses, you know, yeah. where they set that standard and their their really main goal is to get that male's attention to get their prince charming or whatever you know so it's kind of like in order to succeed in life you have to be married you have to um fit yourself to these standards to get the attention, to get the guy that wants you well, to get married saying, and sorry i didn't mean to interrupt but that was what i was saying earlier is that you have these thoughts, you know, or the, these things that you absorb through the media or just, you know, day-to-day -day life. And that it's reinforced when it, when it works, you know what I mean? Like, okay, I see that I'm supposed to be sexual, that I'm supposed to be this, that I'm supposed to be that. I can see that play out in my day-to-day -day life. I can see that I get ahead. I get, you know, rewarded by being yeah. what they've asked me to be um yeah because you get that attention that you that you're like seeking when you do like wear makeup wear the right clothes act the right way yeah and i think that i want to also point out that when, when we say male gaze when we talk about um the way that men view us it's not necessarily um specific men that we're talking about. We're not saying like, oh, men in general feel this way or men, you know, like it's a, it's really a concept that we're talking about that we see throughout media. And obviously it started and was perpetuated by men. But then I think women, we also perpetuate it when we, when we react to it, you know, which is where you get stuck. Cause then it's like, if I react to this, if I say, no, F you, I can do what I want, well, then I'm, I'm still under it, you know what I mean? Like, I'm still reacting to it. I'm acknowledging that it's there and that you control me. And so now it's, now I'm not doing something because I feel embodied to do it. I'm doing it to say F you, you know? Um, yeah. Yes, rebelling against it, which is still empowering. You know, I'm not trying to say, that there can't be empowerment in that. Um, but yeah, it's a very, it goes so, so deep inside. But for me, uh, I guess like how it plays out is that sometimes when I will look at myself in the mirror, I'll be completely alone, um, but I'll look at myself in the mirror and I can only see myself through the eyes of how a man, a man would view me, like literally in third person. Yeah. And so you start to see yourself as a character 
as a fantasy, um, as a, a not not a human being, uh, to put it, you know, frankly. Yeah, like, you put yourself as an object. Yeah, you objectify yourself. And mm-hmm. then you objectify yourself and you get rewarded for objectifying yourself. Um, but then it's like, so even when I'm doing things that are empowering to me, um, beyond the male gaze, well then the male gaze still gets to determine what is acceptable within that, you know? So if I, you know, if I dress more tomboy, well there's a point where it's not attractive anymore, you know? There's there's the cute tomboy, oh she's just athletic, she's whatever. Um, and then in the opposite, there's, you know, the, uh, the revealing sexualizing yourself gets you attention, but then there becomes a certain point where it's not acceptable anymore, and now you're a slut. So you are trapped within this very limited narrative um, that may not fit you or be your reality, you know? Or I also feel like I have to be one or the other, you know? I have to be, I have to categorize myself as a slut or as a a tomboy, you know? Or like, when that's just not true. Yeah, I feel like it really comes down, especially because obviously there's the part of you who's gonna perform for this outside audience, you know, for how other people perceive you, you know? your own internal male gaze of how you perceive you. But it even goes so far as to be how you perform when no one else is around. Yes. And I feel like that's a really big part of it is like, you will, like you'll try and like look good or like do things that like are attractive, which are totally ridiculous because I'll be like standing in my kitchen like at night and I'll be trying to like stand a certain way or like, lean on the counter a certain way that would be deemed attractive versus just doing it comfortably because of that own internal male gaze of having to having to perform and having to look a certain way at any time yeah not Um, even just other I was talking to someone um and she said that she'll be laying in your her bed um totally comfortably and then she'll be like oh I'm probably laying in a way that's unattractive and then switch her position to something less comfortable when she was totally fine before um yeah and I think that that's where it really shows you that it's become our own thoughts and it's really hard then to separate um how you feel versus what you've been told to feel um about yourself But um, I also want to talk about it in terms of the divine feminine, because this is something that we've been talking about a lot, Um, both the divine feminine and the divine masculine, which, um, disclaimer, they don't have genders. When we talk about the divine feminine, the divine masculine, we're not talking about men and women. We're talking about two different ways of expression. Um, You can even call it yin, yang, whatever terms you you know, fit. So whatever we feel embodies our divine feminine is what we're going to be talking about. And whatever we feel uh, defines our divine masculine is what we're going to be talking about. Um, But you 
you use those terms how you see fit. So if something feels more masculine to you, that's the energy that you embody, then that's your divine masculine and you can express it that way. Anyway, so when the divine feminine is wounded or is hurt, um, it tends to turn to manipulation and control um, in order to protect itself. And so I'm going to read something that I wrote um, and then you can kind of react to that or however, you know, whatever you want to say about it. But I said, um, I've also been identifying and dissecting where the male gaze has taken over and placed rules on the expression of my femininity. It is almost impossible to see yourself as a being outside of the male gaze when you're constantly objectified, and the younger, her unhealed version of my divine feminine turned to control and manipulation in response, because it's so much easier to cope with having to exist solely as a fantasy when you're in control of what that fantasy looks like. It's easier to cope with being objectified when you manipulate yourself into exactly what they want, because then it makes you feel like you've gained power back. But it's shallow power. It's a power trip, not love or authenticity. And I feel like that is the place where I'm at right now, um, is identifying where, first of all, giving space for myself, and hopefully this encourages other people that if you are feeling like you are using the male gaze, to manipulate that you're not alone and then it's completely normal it's a normal response to something traumatic or to something that hurts you or something that steals power from you so you have mm -hmm. something that's constantly in your head that you're constantly being fed through media and everything um, of this perfect woman that you're supposed to be it's very normal to then try to become that because you feel yeah. like you have no power when you feel like you, the only way that you can express yourself and gain any kind of power um, is through manipulating yourself, is through manipulating other people. Um, that is a very honest place to be in. And that's not obviously where we want to be. Um, but if that is where you're at, just honor that. That's where I'm at, is coming out of that now, seeing where I have betrayed myself and manipulated myself in order to please an actual audience or no audience at all. Um, and there is a life and authenticity after that, you know? Um, but how do you see this playing out in your own life? I think you're definitely really right about a lot of that because before you like I even heard about the male gaze or like learned about that, I learned how it affected me. I thought these things kind of all just like passed by, you know, and I didn't really take notice of it. And so once I did, it was this like sense of like the loss of self, the loss of control, 
because I realized that those things weren't things that I was doing because of who I am. It was because of this outside need to, to fulfill. And I feel like it definitely led me to a path of seeing this male fantasy, you know, and I feel like a lot of, a lot of women kind of end up here, which is like where I am. And, um, playing into the male fantasy, becoming the male fantasy, acting like the male fantasy as a way to take that control back. Because if I am like kind of in a sense of at least it's my choice now, you know, yeah, but you're still playing into it. And it's like in an unhealthy way of, um, acting like it because it's like a cry to take that control back and act that way. Like, act like the male gaze wants you to act yeah. um, to say that, no, this is, you know, and it is kind of, for me at least, like it's kind of lying to myself and lying, um, like manipulating myself into thinking that is my own comfortability and my own empowerment when it's really like an overcompensation. Yeah. And I think that I want to point out that, this isn't about specific actions um, because the same action can have two very different intents. Um, And it's about determining whether your actions um, are the things that you do is out of empowerment and embodiment or out of trying to be the fantasy and playing into the male gaze. Um, Something that someone else said was that when they feel good and sexy and empowered, the male gaze still then steals from them because it's like, oh, am I just doing this because I, you know, do I just feel sexy because I'm now what everyone wants? Because I feel, I look like what everyone wants, you know? Um, When I get naked or whatever, now I am, I am the fantasy, you know? And so it steals away those moments. And what I would say to her and to other people who feel that way is first, know yourself. And if you're very honest with yourself, then you'll know when you're doing something out of trauma and the need to please the male gaze um, rather than an actual empowerment. And it's hard to determine. It takes a lot of work um and processing um which doesn't have to happen overnight but eventually those things will become more clear to you because you are you know who you are and you know what is authentic to you um and you know when you're just trying to get attention from someone else and when i say attention um what i mean is it's a very human need to please, especially for people who identify as women, because um, that's what we're told, you know? But also, to be in community, to be loved, to be accepted across the board is a very, it's, it's necessary, actually, for, for human life, for human progression, 
for us to live in community and live together and accept one another. So it's a very normal human thing to need to be accepted. So as a woman walking through life, I feel that I felt that the only way to be accepted was to contort myself into this fantasy. And so I did. But when you contort yourself into the fantasy, you leave behind authenticity. And Mm -hmm. when I say attention, um, I, I want to be, I want to be very careful because I don't want to be like, um, I don't want to be like the person who's like, they're doing it for attention. That's not what I, that's not what I'm trying to say. I'm saying that you are unhealthily trying to gain that affection that you need. Yeah, that Um, acceptance. Yes, which you still need acceptance. You still need validation, like 100%. That is so normal. It's just that you're never going to get that by the through the fantasy you're going to get it through actual connections where you're embodied you know your perfect self is that's why i said it's shallow power because if i have contorted myself into a fantasy then when i receive love when i receive rewards for that fantasy i'm it's not directed towards me i don't feel it the fantasy feels it that you created but you know it's not like you're yourself. Yeah, so it's not. You never feel loved. You never feel loved because it's not you. And then it becomes harder and harder to leave the fantasy because then everyone thinks that you're that when you're not. And that is a place that I found myself in. Yeah. Um, just a little bit ago. Um, and. That's why authenticity has been super important to me and super and a super important word because finally I'm receiving love and acceptance for who I am and not not the fantasy. Yeah, I feel like playing into it when that's not who you are, like playing into aspects that don't fit your true self are really damaging and they really they really stick you in the cycle of it. Because you're going to go out searching for that acceptance, for the validation. And the validation that you do receive or the response that you do receive is enough um, to really reinforce it. Like, okay, this is what I should do, you know. But it's not enough to feel loved. Mm -hmm. So you're going to keep doing it to keep receiving, like, that small amount in return. Yeah. Um, but it's not because like the it does full- give you that little that ego boost, you know, like it goes straight to the ego and like not at all to the heart, you know. Exactly. And I think another part of what makes the male gaze so hard to escape, and especially for um, us right now, for when we are trying to escape and trying to learn how to be our authentic selves and how to learn to distinguish what you're doing for the male gaze and what you're doing for yourself is the fact that as like a social construct, everything has been sexualized, you know? Everything you do has been sexualized. So if you are playing into that male fantasy, like you are like submitting that, that's part of the male gaze, you know? Like that's, you're giving into it. But also 
like going against it, acting like you aren't part of that, acting like you are independent. An independent woman is still being sexualized, you know? Yeah. That's still another another male fantasy. You know, they're not the same, but it is still part of that male fantasy. So it's hard to feel like you can escape it when any any route that you go, you're still finding the male gaze along the way. Yeah. You know? I think that brings me to this quote um, from Margaret Atwood from The Robert Bride. And it's, it says, male fantasies, male fantasies, is everything run by male fantasies? Up on a pedestal or down on your knees, it's all a male fantasy. That you're strong enough to take what they dish out or else too weak to do anything about it. Even pretending you aren't catering to male fantasies is a male fantasy. Pretending you're unseen, pretending you have a life of your own, that you can wash your feet and comb your hair unconscious of the ever-present watcher peering through the keyhole, peering through the keyhole in your own head, if nowhere else. You are a woman with a man inside watching a woman. You are your own voyeur. That, like, that quote just really embodies all of it. All of what we're trying to say. Yeah. Because, you know, why I try to, why I'm trying to steer this conversation more internally um, instead of, you know, talking about media or whatever is because, first of all, we're not in control of media or of stuff. And there have been great strides that have been made. Um, but the battleground is essentially in your mind, you know? And mm-hmm. it's hard to exist as your own woman, as your own person. Um, when that, um, like he said, like she said, sorry, um, that like male voice is in your head. And yeah. it's not, it doesn't look like, you know, it doesn't necessarily look like or feel like you pleasing a man. And that's why people are like, oh, well, I'm not doing this to please man. I'm just, I just feel empowered. I just feel sexy. I was like, why? Who told you that was sex, you know? Yeah. And um, even being like, I'm not trying to please a man is like, well, also like, why is it bad to please mm-hmm. man? You know, like, there are so many lines and rules that are contradictory in this. Yeah. In this it can't take the power out of everything. Yeah. Yes. Um, which is why I think that the only way through it, the only way to get rid, get rid, you know, you can't really get rid of it, but I like think not let it control your life is through being authentic. And that's going to look because authenticity requires differences and diversity. It's going to look different for literally every single person. So as a woman, it might be to, you know, not post revealing selfies, you know, or it might be two, 
person. It's going to literally look different for every single person. And that's why when we come across something like that, we don't jump to conclusions about that woman because we don't know. And in having this conversation, what I'm talking about is not the actions, the external things that we see, and then we can now place judgments on other women. Like, oh, well, if she posted a naked selfie, she must just be now catering to the male gaze. Ha ha, like, blah, blah, blah. That's not what it looks like. It's, it's such an internal thing and a personal thing for us to have conversations with ourselves about, you know? Yeah. Even between Lauren and I, even though we express things a lot of the times in similar ways, it's going to look very different from me to you, you know? Mm-hmm. And we've had conversations. I'm like, I don't want to do that because I feel like that would not be authentic to me. And she goes, oh, well, I, that's empowering to me, which is completely fine, you know? Um, yeah. So I think that this is a personal conversation to be had. Obviously, Lauren and I are having it with each other. You can have it with your friends and everything. Um, but as far as passing judgments on other people now for what they choose to do and how they choose to be embodied, we just can't do that and shouldn't do that. Or else we are now <laughs> playing into the male gaze. The male gaze is also pitting us against each other. Exactly. I think it also, like, it's completely okay for it to be, like, a case-by-case thing about what embodies you, too, you know? Like, sending sending photos that make you feel good to someone, to, like, one person, you know, that could be empowering, you know? If it's, like, it might be your boyfriend, you know, and he makes you feel empowered when you do that. If you send it to a stranger, you might not feel empowered doing that, you know? Yeah, so it can even be person-to-person, like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. yeah. So it all kind of goes day by day, and it's really, um, it's important to do that introspection and, like, look within yourself and trust your own intuition about what is true and, like, what's you, what your truth is. Mm-hmm. And, like, when we talk about intuition, I always like to bring up that a lot of people go, like, searching for their intuition, and <laughs> that's not how intuition works. All the answers are right inside of you. And there might be things blocking. There might be a male gaze blocking. There might be trauma blocking. There might be, you know, we live in a world that uh, consistently clouds us from our intuition. But it's all right there. It's not lost. It's not needed to be found. It's always been inside of you. And so you will know. Things will be revealed to you as you do the work, as you process as you pursue wholeness as you pursue authenticity the clouds will fall away and you will be able to know you know and the Mm -hmm. more you do that the more you can tell the difference between a trauma response a response out of the male gaze and your own embodied authenticity and what actually feels good for you and if that takes some figuring out (laughs) Okay, if you, like, honestly, if you send something to someone and you realize, damn, that doesn't feel good, (laughs) that didn't feel good, okay, what do you do with that? The deed has been done, so you take it and you move on, and next time, you don't do that, you know, like, yeah, you'll realize, 
one of the only ways is to try things out, you know? And then yeah. not shame yourself when something doesn't feel good because you were trying it out, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, anyway, um, I think we talked a little bit about the ways that you can move forward. Um, do you have any anything else to add? Or Like we've talked about, the male gaze can present in many forms, you know? present inside you in a lot of different ways and even ways that you haven't realized yet, you know? Um, But doing things that make you feel good and like make you feel comfortable um, can change. It can grow with you too, you know? Yeah. I feel things that made me feel empowered like a year ago might not be things that make me feel empowered now. Like things that grow with you. Obviously, like, as time goes on, you'll learn what things, like, how things affect you and, like, how you can trust yourself, you know, because those are things, like, I'm still, I'm still learning, you know, like, learning how these things affect me and learning to be my true authentic self. I think just also, like, something that is helpful is to pay attention to the male gaze now that you know what it is, now that you can identify it. So, like, there have been moments where I don't want to get up and put on makeup. I don't want to put on an outfit, but I feel like I have to because of this need to perform, this need to be hot. And I know that that would make me uncomfortable. Like I, it's not something I'm doing because I want, you know, out of empowerment, you know, I physically that I can know that that would make me uncomfortable, but I still do it to please who, you know, like, cause it's not pleasing myself really. Um, yeah. and so noticing, or like if you're the example I gave earlier, if you're laying down in an uncomfortable or uh, sorry, a comfortable position, notice, Oh, I have this thought. Don't change anything. Just replace it with I'm comfortable. I accept myself. I love who I am. There's no one watching. There's no one watching, you know, it's just me. Um, so I think just being active in watching your thoughts and doing actions that actively combat that, because every time that you have a thought and you take an action that combats the thought, you're teaching yourself, you know, that you are safe, that you are comfortable, that you don't need to perform. Yeah, exactly. And even if you are in a situation where you are around others who are like, like looking at you, you know, you still don't need to perform that. You can still be comfortable. You can be yourself. You can do what feels good for you. You don't need to. If you go outside the house, you know, you don't have to put makeup on if you don't want to. Like if you're going to go see a guy or whatever, whatever it might be, you know, like you don't need to play into it. Even if you are going to be around others. Yeah. And I keep coming back to like, the fact that if you have played into it, which we all have, yeah, or if you catch yourself playing onto it, there is no shame. Like we don't mm-hmm. do shame here. That's the first thing that I that I <laughs> say basically when people come to my page or my podcast. I'm like, no shame, because we are human. We are figuring it out, and if you catch yourself 
doing something to please the male gaze inside of you or please an external male audience. Mm -hmm. There is no shame. We're just here to unlearn things, to become more conscious, become more aware. There's no shame. You honor it, you honor where you're at, and you make a better choice. It's that simple. You know, obviously it's so nuanced, but it really <laughs> is. It can become simple if you yeah. let it. Because shame contorts things. Shame makes things complicated. It makes things, you know, like messy. And I think that without it, it becomes really simple because there is only love. There's only abundance. There's only authenticity. And you just simply choose to embody that every day, you know? Every moment, actually, you know? So. Yeah, like... Also, like, we're literally just living on a rock. <laughs> yes. Like, why does it matter? Like, you don't need to be so hard on yourself if you find yourself trying to be that fantasy, you know? Yeah, like, you survive. Like, baby girl. Just Yeah, like, just take it day by day. Like, live for yourself. Live through what makes you feel good. You know, you don't need to focus on others. And you could take, like, take your take your own journey with grace, you know? And I feel like if you want to go check out the merch, um, <laughs> the back, which I think we should all be following is, and like the main reminder is you're free to exist how you are. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Which is, the thing is that like, I've had some backlash from people being like, oh, like, but what about change? What about accountability? What about, and to that I say, well, first, you're free to exist how you are. And when you start to actually embody, that is a call to authenticity. And when we're authentic, we are aware of our trauma responses and actively working on that. But transformation only comes when there is freedom to exist how you are. And yeah. that doesn't mean, oh, I'm free to exist and just perpetuate the smell gaze inside of me no like that would be the fantasy you know um and so it's in yourself yes so you you're free to exist how you are and through that freedom you will actively change you will transform but it's not to become someone else it's to refine yourself it's to heal yeah. and become whole again um and that I think is a good place to conclude. <laughs> to wrap it up. Yeah. Wrap it all up. <laughs> anyway, so like you mentioned, um, there are some links in my bio, return.to.even. Um, also my personal, sophie.ryan with two Ys. Um, those will both take you to a link tree and you can find my merch, which Lauren beautifully designed. Um, hoodies, crewnecks, t-shirts, um, anything. It says you are free to access how you are on the back. And then there's, uh, it says return to Eden with a little line drawing of a woman on it. So if that sounds like something that interests you, you can go over there. Um, the links are in the bio. Um, there's also a link to this podcast, which you're probably listening to, so you don't need it. Um, there is a link to the meditation I just did, um, okay. the visualization meditation. Um, if that's something that interests you, 
Also, um, you can find our podcast, Just Say It, on any podcast platform. Do you have anything you want to plug? I think I think that's a pretty good end to this. I think you listed all the things. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that was a good a good conversation. Yeah. As always, no shame. Lead with love. Yeah. <laughs> have a good day. Thank you for listening to the Return to Eden podcast. Once again, we'd love to hear from you. If you have a question, a story to share, or you'd like to be a guest on the podcast, please reach us at return.to.eden on Instagram.